welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about the need to um, upskill and reskill the frontline workforce with some soft skills and communication skills and talk a little bit about um, is that possible? How is that possible? To what degree is that possible? Et cetera. Um, I'm excited to welcome with me here today, Neil Thompson, who is the creator of Teach the Geek. Neil, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So before we dig into the topic at hand, um, tell our listeners, you know, a bit about yourself, um, your journey, and you know, uh, your um, your program, Teach the Geek. It all stemmed from my initial struggles having to give presentations in front of senior management at the second company I worked at. The first company I worked at, I was a research associate. I only worked in the lab. I did experiments, wrote protocols, wrote reports, and went home, came back, did the same thing the next day. And I didn't have a problem with that. I did that for about two years. It was, in, it was the second job that I took as a product development engineer where public speaking or just communicating with people came into play. At least for the first few months, I didn't have to do any of that. It was very similar to my first job. But then the it came a time where I was be, I was made a project lead. So I wasn't a product development engineer product development engineer anymore. I was a project lead. So what's a project lead? Well, the, the company was too cheap to hire project managers. So they pushed that responsibility onto product development engineers, one of which was having to give presentations on project status in front of senior management on a monthly basis. So we're talking the CEO, CTO, CMO, C fill in the blank O. All these people were in the audience listening to me give presentations. And those first few presentations were absolutely horrendous. I did not know, I didn't know it was possible to sweat that profusely from one's body. <laughs> sweat's not supposed to come out of your fingernails, but there it was. But, <laughs> and I know a lot of the other engineers that had to give presentations who also were made project leads, their presentations weren't all that much better than mine. And I mm -hmm. think the issue that many of us have is having all this technical expertise, but not putting it in such a way that non-technical people can understand with the exception of the CTO, basically everybody else in the senior management team weren't technical. So a lot of the times what would happen is I would have to answer questions after the presentation that I thought I had answered during the presentation, but because I didn't put it in such a way that these people could understand now I'm sweating even more. I was sweating enough during the damn presentation. And now even after the presentation, I'm sweating even more than that. And it basically was a waste of time for myself, waste of time for the audience, just a waste of time in general. So I eventually realized that this is something I really should get better at. And and I did just because of all the reps I had to do. I had to do this every month. And I basically took everything that I learned in becoming more effective at communicating with these people. And I turned it into an online course. And I called it Teach the Geek to Speak. And it's, mm -hmm. geared, and it's geared towards people like myself, people that have technical jobs and have to give presentations in front of others and just how to go about doing it more effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you started being in a position where you had to give these presentations, um, you know, would you say it was more nerves or more like not feeling like you related to the people you were speaking to or that they didn't relate to you? Or was it more like actual skill of, you know, here are some of the things that make for an effective presentation or just a combination of all of that? 
Oh, it was all the above, Sarah. Mm -hmm. It was it was not preparing. So a lot of the times I would just get up there and and talk. Or in, in in some instances, it would be me preparing slides and just putting a whole bunch of stuff on them and reading them when I got up on 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 the in front of people. And it's very difficult to engage people when you're reading because you're not really looking at them. And then, as I mentioned, ultimately what would happen is I get these questions afterwards. So so then nerves even came in there. So it was just it was just a, an amalgam of a bunch of problems that mm -hmm. I had and that other engineers had given these presentations and it just wasn't effective. And at, at some point, unless you want to keep look in case you want to keep being a sweaty mess, you're going to have, you're going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the program you created teach the geek, I mean, first of all, I think it's really cool that you saw the opportunity to not just, you know, you recognized, okay, I'm going to, I need to get better at this. If I'm going to have to keep doing it, I need to get better at it. But you also recognize the opportunity to help others that were in similar positions that had the same struggles. So um, I, I think that's really cool. I also think like, you know, it's, it's kind of outgoing, right? I mean, it forces you even further out of the comfort zone because now you're not only doing the presentations and improving your own skills, but you are communicating with enough others that you're helping them improve their skills. So um, I think that's really, really neat. Um, tell us a little bit uh, about um, what the, the program is like. So it's intended to help people who are going to be tasked with public speaking, correct? That's right. Okay. And it's an online course. Um, so what is, just kind of give us an overview of like, what's the length and, you know, um, who is it? It's geared toward folks like yourself. So people in, in highly technical positions that want to improve their skills speaking to a group of non-technical people. Correct. Okay. So how long is the program? The program, if you were to listen to everything from start to finish, is about 90 minutes. And I made it that length on purpose. I didn't want it to be too long because I wanted people to actually finish it. From mm -hmm. a bit of, of research that I did on courses, one of the issues that there are with courses is the, the finish rate isn't very high, especially if there's a lot of modules to go through. People eventually they initially start off all excited about doing it, but then somewhere somewhere in the middle, they're going to lose interest and then never finish it. Well, if it's just 90 minutes, I mean, that's really difficult to lose interest. I mean, you probably watch movies that are longer. Sure. So, so the I made it I made it that short on purpose. But then at the end of it, there are exercises that I suggest people do to actually improve their public speaking skills. You can listen to all or do all the courses you want, listen to all the podcasts, watch all the YouTube videos you want. But if you don't actually get out there and implement whatever you learn from these from these various resources, you'll never get better. So I have mm -hmm. exercises at the end of it to really implement what I talk about in the course. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You know, it's part, you know, knowledge and information. And then it's part, like you said, you improved yourself just by forced practice. Right. And so there's, you know, there's an element, but I think, you know, to me, it seems like another part of the value of this program for people is just the recognition that if they feel uncomfortable or nervous or, or this isn't familiar to them, they're not alone in that, right? Like there's also, I think, some camaraderie of, 
you know, okay, I'm not the first person to feel this way. I won't be the last person to feel this way. And if these, if, if Neil and these other people have improved, I can improve too, you know, or, or learn these different skills. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, so Neil, I explained a little bit before we, um, we started recording this that, so your experience is different than, than that of our audience, but, but not so much so that there aren't some, some correlations. And what I mean by that is, you know, so you were, um, you were an uh, engineer and you had to start giving these presentations. What I explained to you before we started recording is that um, within our audience, a lot of companies are in a situation where they have field engineers. So they have field engineers that go out and do um, either installation or uh, repair work um, on sometimes very highly technical equipment. And historically, their job has been very much just go to the customer site, fix the problem and leave, right? And for a variety of reasons, um, what those companies are asking from their field engineers is evolving a bit um, because the nature of service is evolving such that, you know, rather than just completing the technical work, we're now also looking to those field engineers to play a very important role in building relationships with those customers and maybe sharing you know, knowledge and insights with them in addition to fixing the actual equipment that they're there to fix. And so this gives companies um, the task of, you know, really upskilling and reskilling those technicians to be more competent at, you know, building and maintaining and nurturing those relationships. And so, um, while it is uh, different than your personal experience, it's not so different, right? And so that's, I wanted to ask you some questions related to this topic. And so the first is, you know, you call your program Teach the Geeks. So my first question is, do you feel like all geeks or all highly technical engineer type um, people can be upskilled in these areas related to communication and soft skills or no? Oh, I would never say that anyone cannot learn a skill. If they're interested in learning the skill, you can learn pretty much anything. And especially if you see the benefit of learning that skill, it's really difficult to be forced to learn something. So if you're a field engineer and you want to continue to just do your job, you know, fix whatever instrument there is and then go about your day and, you know, do it, you know, rinse and repeat, then yes, those people would be difficult to upskill. But if you're someone who sees that benefit of becoming more effective is just communicating with others, then you'll you'll do it. And not only that, but if you're a field engineer who wants the promotions and pay raises that you think you deserve, well, becoming better at, at communicating with others is a must. Oftentimes, those are the people who get those promotions and pay raises. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. the most technically gifted people in the group or the, the ones who are you know the best at their at their job technically. It's those who are are who are who do a good job of communicating their worth to the company. Right. And so if you, if you just see it that way, then it'd be very easy to then convince you that this is something to get better at. Mm -hmm. Now, if you reflect back on your personal experience, um, now you were kind of thrown into this situation where you had to do these presentations and you, you kind of recognize your own need to, um, to polish those skills or improve those skills. If companies are looking at this, you know, in a more 
strategic or proactive way. Like, okay, we recognize this role is evolving and we need to take more steps to upskill and reskill our field engineers um, with, with some of these soft skills and communication skills. What would you suggest they keep in mind um, as they kind of, you know, take on that initiative? Well, there, there certainly may be some resistance to some. I mean, as I mentioned, there's some that just want to continue to do what they've been doing. You know, change can be really difficult for some people, but there are going to be people that embrace it. And so those who do, well, they'll be well, they'll be well, they'll be more willing to go along with whatever strategy that the company has in improving these skills with these people. And for those who are more resistant, perhaps if they see the benefits that the ones who did embrace it are, are now have, perhaps that's enough to convince them that this is a path to go down as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, are there certain approaches or tools or types of teachings that you would recommend specifically for an audience that's highly technical? Proof. You got to prove that this stuff kind of works. Mm-hmm. So just even convincing engineers and scientist types to, to do anything, you, they want to see some sort of evidence mm-hmm. that this is something to even bother doing. So having case studies of what people have been able to do when they've gone through, for instance, this course and, and, and how it's been able to help them is really helpful in, in convincing them that this is something that could work for them as well. And one of them, one of those case studies that I tend to use happens to be one of my former coworkers. He was a product development engineer, just like I was. And as part of our job, in addition to having to give these presentations in front of management, we'd often have to go to conferences and present either posters or even orally. So in the event that we were presenting posters, he would often shy away from talking to the people who'd come up to the come up to our poster. And oftentimes I'd have to be the one to do most of the talking. But because he went through the course, he's become a lot more comfortable engaging with others to the point where he doesn't even work as a product development engineer anymore. He works as a product manager. And mm-hmm. that's moving from product development to marketing. So if you're working in marketing, you're definitely going to have a, a more customer facing position. So he had to have been way more comfortable dealing with others to have even taken such a position. So obviously something must have worked. And I'd like to think that my course has something to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so, you know, when you work with, with people, do you find any commonality in sort of how technical people evolve through this process? Like is every path different or are there any kind of common stages or phases of, you know, what it looks like to move from being kind of uncomfortable to, getting more familiar and kind of mastering the the art a bit. Well, I think for a lot of technical people there's a lot of technical jargon that they're com- that they're comfortable with and they use amongst each other. But one thing that they have to understand is that the audience, especially if you're talking to a non-technical audience, they may not understand that technical jargon, so it's be in your best interest to explain it or at least use or perhaps even use other words that are more commonly used. Because mm-hmm. what would happen a lot of the times is People may not even ask what the, what those words mean. They just won't listen at all, and so you want to avoid you want to avoid that scenario altogether. So it's it's in your best interest if if you're a technical person that uses a lot of technical jargon just generally in your in your daily life as you know doing your work that to keep them the 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 
keep the expertise of the people that you're speaking to in mind when you're preparing your presentations. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm thinking about, Neil, as we're talking through this for the organizations that would be in our audience is, you know, it might be best to consider either leveraging an external resource um, or co-creating a program with someone on your technical team who is more accepting of the change, right? Because what I was just thinking as you were talking about kind of the jargon and, and that sort of thing is there's probably a lot of aspects to this where if the creation of the program or the execution of the upskilling and reskilling is done by someone who isn't an engineer or isn't the technical person, they could miss a lot because some of the things that, you know, maybe come natural to them wouldn't come natural to others or some of the kind of foundational elements like that, you know, realizing not to use too many acronyms or too much technical speak. And so, you know, kind of the training of, you know, when you're talking about this with a customer, you know, here's kind of the level you want to present at and, you know, those sorts of things, um, you know, you, you kind of need the firsthand or could benefit from the firsthand input of someone on your team who is highly technical to help with, you know, shaping what upskilling and reskilling could look like so that you don't miss important aspects. And so that, you know, maybe some of the technical people who are a little bit more resistant to change respect the program more because it's been created or co-created by someone like them. Does that make sense? Well, it makes perfect sense. That's the main reason Teach the Geek is geared towards people like myself mm -hmm. because of that credibility, I would think, that someone like myself would bring as opposed to someone else that has a communications course who is not in the in that field. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of communication courses out there, but are, right. are they geared towards people in the technical field? And if they are, were they created by people that come from that field? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know of any besides my own. So I think that that's been really helpful in me yeah. just differentiating myself. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, you know, that's just something to keep in mind is, um, you know, you mentioned change is hard, right? And so when you're asking employees, especially longstanding employees to really evolve the way that they've done their job for a long period of time, you know, Number one, like you said, it's tough if it's just force, 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 right? The more you can create buy-in, the better. But number two, you know, think about, you know, how you're creating this in a way that um, shows you respect the technical talent, not that you're just trying to change it, right? Because you're not trying to remove technical expertise. You're just trying to augment it with some of the soft skills or communication skills that you know, haven't been um, a focus up to, to that point. That's a really good point. Okay, so shifting gears just a bit, Neil, I know one of the other things um, that you're passionate about is um, creating more awareness around STEM careers and particularly for Black children. So um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your passion in this area. And um, I know that you've written a, a children's book. Um, so tell us about that as well. Sure. The book is called Ask Uncle Neil, Why Is My Hair Curly? It's about my nephew asking me why his hair is the way it is. And I use science to answer the question. 
And the motivation for me writing the book is to encourage more Black children to consider careers in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And I'm really keen on the messaging of the of, of my motivation. My goal isn't to in, in, isn't to convince more Black children to go into STEM. It's to have them see it as an option, because ultimately. It, you know, it's your life. You're going to go into whatever you want to go into. But I just want them to know that there's this other thing out there called STEM that is for them if they want it to be for them. STEM's for anybody who has the interest in it and is willing to do the work. It's not for any particular group of people. And that's the what I really want to get across from, from the children's book. And eventually it will be a series. That's the plan. This is the first of the series. So the series will always be my nephew asking me a question and I use science to answer it. I love that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we've we done quite a bit of content uh, on this podcast specifically around, you know, creating more awareness of, of STEM and the skilled trades, right? Because it's, you know, we, we kind of, um, you know, we need to do a better job of emphasizing to young people uh, the the wide variety of career paths that exist, you know, and I think um, to your point, it isn't about, you know, advocating anyone go down a particular path at all. It's just about making sure that we're doing a better job of showing, you know, all of the options that exist to all of the people that they exist for and to make sure that, you know, um, girls aren't just, uh, presented with the options of becoming a princess, right? But there's uh, all of these other options and, you know, that that we're doing a better job of representation when it comes to what do these careers look like and, you know, um, all of those sorts of things. So I really, really like that. And I definitely want to uh, check out the book. Um, so besides the book you have so far and, and the rest that will be a part of that series, um, what are some of the other ways that you think, you know, we can all have a positive impact on making STEM more, um, I guess, you know, more prominent and more attainable for those who have uh, an interest in it? Well, it starts with talking about it. it I mean, this it seems to be coming full circle. If you're an engineer or a scientist who is adept at communicating with others, then you should be more comfortable communicating what you do with others as well. And this, mm-hmm. and this doesn't even have to do with within the company. This can be outside the company, talking to, to students about what you do. And that's really helpful. If, if people can't do what they don't know is, is, is out there. So if, if you're talking about what you do as your job, then they might think, that sounds interesting. I want to look more into that. But mm-hmm. in the event that they never hear from you or someone like you, well, then they never hear about that particular, that particular position, that particular job. And then is it, it's, it becomes way more difficult for them to ever go into it unless they yeah. do their, unless they do some research and just come up, come across it happenstance. Yeah. I have um, two sons, Neil, five and six, and that one of their favorite shows right now is Ada Twist Scientist. And I love that for them. I love that they are, you know, interested in that show. I love how educational it is, but I also love how it just shows, you know, these career paths and, and you know, different just things that that we haven't done a good enough job showing. And, 
influencing really early on, you know, so that it, it's, you know, kids grow up with just more awareness that there um, are these, these careers and these different options. Um, so you also host a podcast. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Sure. It's called Teach the Geek Podcast. And I interview typically people in the STEM fields, a lot of scientists and engineers about their journeys in public speaking. But then I also talk to them about their career journeys. And that's even been more interesting, especially for the ones who perhaps started at one place and then ended up somewhere completely different. One that stands out is a woman who got a degree in civil engineering, never worked as a civil engineer, though. She then went to law school became a lawyer and, and did that for a few years. But then she left that and became a stay-at-home mom for about a decade. And now she works as a personal stylist. Not the not the typical career path. But it's mm-hmm. it's so interesting to hear those types of stories of people not necessarily starting, well, starting at one place and ending up somewhere completely different and not feeling like they had to stay where on a particular path, but then just they were more, they were willing to follow whatever interest they had. And Mm -hmm. those types of people are always interesting for me to talk to. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, that's the great thing about the program you've created with Teach the Geek is people shouldn't need to feel stuck. You know, I mean, there's so many options to, um, you know, to learn and to grow. And if there are things about your, um, you know, your professional life that you want to change, or if you want to completely pivot, you know, it's, it's good to know that that's possible and you have, you know, the power to make improvements. You have the power to expand your skill sets and, you know, for people that want to, you know, those stories of how people completely switch it up are, are really cool as well. Um, okay. So, uh, so teach the geek podcast, um, I want to ask you two questions and I'm going to pause here to make sure I separate them because I am notorious for asking multiple questions at once and it always throws people off. So first question is what words of, of wisdom or advice would you offer someone in your former position? So someone in an engineering role that wants to um, improve some of their communication skills. Look for opportunities to do it and don't shy away from the from the ability to to actually get out there and do it. As I think I mentioned earlier, you can read all the books and, and listen to all the podcasts, do all the courses you want, but you won't get better at it unless you do it. And don't be that that disgruntled engineer or scientist sitting in their cubicle because someone else in the company got the promotion and pay raise that you thought you deserved. If they were the one that was out there improving their communication skills, talking to decision makers, and they eventually got that position and you didn't do any of that, well, you have no reason to be upset. Yeah, that's good advice. And what advice would your words of wisdom would you um, want to leave with, you know, some of the people that listen to this podcast, which are those ultimately responsible for figuring out how to upskill and reskill those field engineers and help them, you know, become better at some of this uh, customer communication? Well, I think to convince people of anything, you have to show them what's in it for them. And so if those, if those engineers are told by the, the, by the management, well, you know how people get jobs here, right? 
It's from networking. It's from communicating with people, decision makers, people in authority. If you're not willing to do any of that kind of stuff, well, then you're likely going to be that engineer or, or scientist sitting in their in their cubicle upset. And then that pushes the that pushes it back on that field engineer or whoever the technical person is and, well, to think, well, I don't want to be that disgruntled person sitting in the cubicle. So if this is going to be something to, to help me so that I'm not that person, well, then bring it on. Yeah. The other thing I'm thinking about, Neil, you know, going back to the point we made about change and all of that, you know, this situation is going to look different for every organization. But one thing to consider might be the role of positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement. So if you have the opportunity going into this to make it something where, you know, rather than penalizing people for not doing this effort, you can incentivize them to do it then maybe you have more of those case study examples of, you know, hey, Chris just completed this program. And as a result, you know, he got a raise or he has some sort of perk. And, you know, Chris can speak to his experience in a positive way, right? So, you know, again, it's it's about, I think, respecting the fact that um, we're all human and, you know, we have the the capacity to change and to um, grow and expand our skills, but that the people, you know, pushing that agenda need to do so respectfully and need to keep in mind how they're communicating the benefit to the employee that they're asking this of. Um, That makes sense. Okay. All right, Neil, tell our listeners where they can learn more about Teach the Geek. So we have the, the program, um, let people know about that as well as the podcast. Sure. So the program, you can go to teachthegeek.com. And if you want to check out the, the podcast, well, you can either check out the YouTube channel or the podcast, and you can get to either of them at youtube.teachthegeek.com. And then if you're interested in learning more about the book, you can go to askuncleneilbooks.com. Okay. Excellent. All right, Neil. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing today. I really appreciate it. I think, um, your story is is a really inspiring one. And I think it's great that you've created this program and you are taking your own experience and using it uh, as something to to help others. And I'm going to check out the book for sure. And, um, you know, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You can learn more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more at IFS.com. As always, thank you for listening.